the idea. Right, we're going to get to the idea. A special segment here on Bloomberg Markets where we focus at length on a single investing idea, on a single stock. Well, which stock? I'm not going to tell you yet, but first let's take a deep dive in the stock's sector. In today's case, let's take a look at the data center business. Bloomberg Intelligence Telecom Analyst uh, Joshua Yaskowitz joins us right now uh, with a look at data centers. And, and Joshua, you know, when we think of data centers, we think of Amazon Web Services' massive business, or Microsoft's Azure, or Google, or Oracle, or whatever. But but how does that business work? Who pays whom for what, and how is it growing? Yeah, there is a definitely a large side to this, which is the cloud services side that you're talking about. But there's also another um, section of the data center business, which is the co-location section. And basically, these guys just build out the data centers for other people to come in and put their servers, put their storage into. Um, and that is really being fed by the cloud providers and also just by companies coming in, not wanting to build up their own data centers. They come in, they just want the space, and then they bring in their own stuff there. So basically, it, they're, they're, just, they're, they're like hotels. They, they build out the space, and other people come, and come in and rent the space and put the stuff in there that they want for their business, like apartment buildings almost. You know, it's funny you say that, because one segment of this is actually called carrier hotels. Um, that's, called, that's the retail segment. You're coming in, and you're wanting to connect to other carriers. You want to connect to other businesses. Then there's also just you know, the companies that come in and build the shell of the building, and then the Amazons will come in and, and bring in and do all their work that they do there. Is this like, it's like communal office space, but communal data space? Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, you, every company has a data center. It's where they store all their, their storage, all their apps. And then instead of maybe building out their own data center, they just contract it out to somebody else. They don't want to do that themselves. They just want to focus on their core competencies and have someone else build the space for them. Which makes sense, right? And this is kind of everybody, too, also moving stuff into the cloud, correct? Yeah, it's, so the cloud, um, the difference between this and the cloud is the cloud guys, Amazon, the Googles, they put the storage and the servers themselves and they just give you the space. You're actually leasing the space. Whereas if you're doing a co-location, you're, you're bringing in your own storage. And, and ah. But the, so, this card, the cloud guys themselves are actually renting space from the co-location guys, which is one of the big drivers <laughs> that's going on right now. So we'll we call them guys. What companies are we talking about? Again, who's paying whom here? Yeah, so the big, the big two right now in the space, especially in the U.S., are Equinix and Digital Realty. Right. Um, Equinix being really big in the retail space, which is the carry hotels I was talking about with the interconnections, where Digital Realty is really big in the wholesale space, building the um, buildings and just renting out. The They're based itself. right out here in San Francisco, I think. And and they and they these businesses some of them I guess operate as REITs. Ex- explain that structure and why they operate as as, as a real estate investment trusts. Because when you think when you think technology and you think the Microsoft the cloud and, and web services and stuff, you're not really thinking. Yeah, I'm investing in a stupid real estate investment trust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, all the public ones right now are REITs. Um, Equinix just joined the ranks in 2015. Um, and really, it's basically, you can make the argument that it's very real estate focused. You're wanting to get the prime location. You're just building out a building and renting it. It's not, I guess, that much different than building uh, an office space or a, or a shopping center in that case. I mean, demand for this kind of stuff is just growing, right? Just with, I mean, it's more, I mean, you know, everything is digital and it's just going to be increasingly more so. Pick your industry. The growth has been double digits in the recent quarters, and it seems to be still sticking to that. A lot of that's coming from the cloud providers themselves. They're buying up space, and everybody moving to the cloud wants to use these guys as a way to interconnect into the cloud services. Is every well, top, data center well, company the same? Sorry? Every data center the same in terms of the services that they provide? Is it yeah. apples to apples to apples? 
you, the two segments are the wholesale segment, which yeah. I mentioned, are um, just the space, and then the retail segment, which is a little less commoditized, and that's really about connecting t directly to multiple cloud providers or multiple peers in one space instead of having multiple connections each one. So if, if you're a Ford, for instance, wanting to go to the cloud and you want some of your apps on Amazon, some of your apps on Google, some of your apps on Microsoft, instead of connecting to each one of them, you can go through Equinix or one of these other data center providers and connect into one space, mm. into all of them. Well, and, and, and so to that point, I mean, I... I uh and I promise we will we will get to a, one particular stock here. But like I was I, so back at you know in another lifetime when I was a money manager, uh, I was short a stock of a company called Terramark uh, because the, the, which was which was the same kind of business. Uh, they were I think at the time they were not a REIT, but that the, they just didn't have the right kind of customers and they had uh, uh, you know sort of too much vacancy that they weren't filling fast enough. It was a Verizon spinoff, but it didn't look like a great business. And I wonder. From your perspective, you know, of these data center businesses, what makes for a good business, and what is what are the struggles that a bad business goes for in the sector? Because they're not all equal. Well, one of the things that definitely you're seeing going on right now is consolidation, and that's because scale helps a lot in this space. You want to have be in multiple markets. You want to be have multiple customers you connect um, connect to. Because if you're proposing some space to a prospective enterprise, you want to say you can come here, you can come to all of my locations, which are close to all of your locations, and you can connect to all of your peers. You can connect to all the cloud providers and all these locations. So you're seeing a lot in terms of scale. And you mentioned that um, that. Um, that Terramark, Terramark. Was, yeah, Terramark yeah. was spun off. You're seeing all the carriers back in the early 2010s, you call it, um, buying up these data center guys, and then they all spinning them off. Now we're selling them. They realize that one, being the sole, sole network provider is not cutting it these days, and two, they just don't want to spend as much money investing. If you look at some of these guys, they're at 90, 100%. Um, cap capital intensity these days because they're just building out like crazy in all these markets. But consolidation is going to be a big play here. Yes. So you look for potential takeouts, but you also look for companies that have got the financial flexibility uh, to, to be in many markets at the same time because they can su succeed on their own. Are you not going to name the company or are we going to wait? We'll get there. We'll wait just in a second. Well, we got we got someone who's going to tell us why he picked this stock. And why he's investing it, in it. And is, is quite long the stock because he thinks it's a, it's a money where your mouth is situation. Uh, but we're so glad uh, to ha have Joshua Yaskowitz from Bloomberg Intelligence sort of give us a sense of how the Data Business Center works. We'll have yeah. that stock pick. In just a minute, you'll listen to the idea on Bloomberg Markets. This is Bloomberg. I've got a great idea. <laughs> well, this year, Bloomberg, uh, this hour, I should say, Bloomberg Markets has been uh, talking about the idea where we look at smaller mid-cat names, talk to an analyst, an investor who owns it, uh, and then uh, eventually we'll talk with the uh, CEO. And earlier we did talk with an analyst. Let's get to the investor. Eric Marshall is president and portfolio manager at Hodges Capital Management, two and a quarter billion in assets under management. Joining us from Dallas. So, uh, Corey, can we now talk about yeah, well, the name? Eric, what do you got? We, we just heard a lot about the data center business. What, what do you have in terms of a, a pick in that sector? Well, one that we like is Cyrus One. This is a stock that we own in uh, our small cap fund. They're, they happen to uh, be headquartered here in Dallas. It's a name that we know relatively well. And uh, we continue to like it here. Um, it yields a little less than 3%. 
Um, but we think that there's really a, a unique opportunity in the publicly traded data center uh, market. They run um, co-location facilities where they have multiple customers that all house their data in a single data center that they operate. And we think that this is a, a company that's really still in its infancy. And uh, we think they have uh, the ability to add some additional capacity. Uh, there's still international opportunities that they haven't uh, uh, penetrated yet. And we really think that uh, Cyrus One has the secret sauce to uh, be the low-cost provider due to its ability to build capacity at uh, very low cost and leverage the fixed assets in a data center. And it's a lot different than other things in the read industry where normally you're dealing with just bricks and mortar and rents and rev par and things like that. In the data center market, you can actually increase your sales growth your your top line without having to really add a lot of square footage just by increasing your cooling capacity, your bandwidth, your uh, uh, power uh, ability. To Wait, let me back. Let me back you up there a little bit. So you're saying that that instead of like a, a an apartment REIT where they've got to build a new apartment building, that these guys can add a service to an existing space and thereby bring in more revenues and more customers and more profits. Yeah, I think that's the great opportunity, right? Because processing power, memory power, all those things are shrinking. So they can actually have more revenue per square foot per customer with without having to add a whole lot of square foot in a lot of cases. It's about bringing power generation to that facility. It's about bringing cooling capabilities and backup capabilities and things like that to a lot of uh, existing customers within these co-located facilities. Eric, uh, full disclosure, um, and you can correct me, and I hope you will. Um, from what uh, our data, according to SEC filings, as of the end of the first quarter, you guys had more than about 102,000 shares, and you recently added uh, in, uh, I think, the end of the first quarter. Is that correct? Uh, that sounds correct. Okay. Let me ask you, Cyrus, when we were talking earlier with our Bloomberg Intelligence analyst about this data center space, and he said, well, they're not the biggest player in the space and is curious about, you know, what they're going to have to do to kind of build their presence, whether it's organically they can grow that way or whether or not it has to be an M&A deal of some sort. And if it's a bigger M&A deal, uh, looking at their leverage ratio, you know, they're kind of at the ratio that they'd like to be uh, in terms of debt. So what do you think that they need? to do in order to grow? Well, we think that there's opportunities for them to grow organically, and we, we don't necessarily see them as a, a play on consolidating an industry, that at some point there will be consolidation. Um, but we think what makes them unique is really their ability to build new capacity in a, in a very low-cost fashion, where they build it in stages and they can uh, simply open it up to new customers as demand is created in the area. The other, the other uh, thing that I would point out is that uh, Cyrus One probably has an opportunity to uh, scale its opportunity in opportunities in places like Western Europe where they're not currently. You know, the data is a, uh, a global business and they have a lot of global customers. We think there's probably an opportunity out there that would support them growing uh, internationally. So if they did do an acquisition, I would 
you know, potentially could be something overseas. Uh, but I think that there's also opportunities for them to organically possibly expand into places like Western Europe. Yeah, so one of the interesting things, you know, I've read the the annual report uh, last year for this company. One of the interesting things is, you know, I, well, one of my readings of it is, is a little bit different than yours, and, and, I'll, and I'll let you tell me that I'm wrong. But when I look at a lot of their existing facilities, I see the, the percentage of square footage leased at, like, you know, in Dallas, 87 percent, Houston, 96 percent, another Dallas facility, 96 percent, Northern Virginia, 100 percent, 86 percent, and Totoa, Madison, Wisconsin, or outside of New York, sorry, New Jersey, uh, Wappinger Falls, 96 percent. So you got 87, 96, 96. That's, that's not a lot of room for expansion into facilities that are up and running. That said, they have a lot of space that they haven't built out, that they own leases to, but they haven't built out at all. But that's not a cheap build-out. Yeah, and I'd also remind you, too, that sometimes they can actually, even a facility that's over 90% um, occupied, sometimes they can add revenue opportunities oh, by increasing bandwidth or power generation to existing facilities. Oh, interesting. And these are very, very uniquely designed facilities. They're not just taking old, sh- you know, there's been talk about people taking old shopping malls and turning them into data centers. Uh, these are facilities that are made to take a tornado or a hurricane, and uh, they're disaster-proof. They have uh, very extensive backup generation. Uh, the, the floors in these facilities are built uh, so that all the cabling and cooling um, capacity can run underneath the flooring, and they're very unique facilities. We've actually been out to tour some of them, and uh, there, there are barriers to entry in the design and construction of these facilities that really we think makes Cyrus One unique. We, we think that there's probably an opportunity to see growth in this business as well as other data center REITs that's really not fully appreciated because in a lot of cases, uh, most REIT investors don't understand the data center business, right. and a lot of savvy tech investors don't understand the capital structure of a REIT. Eric, anything you scratch your head on when you look at this company? Though obviously you like it because you're invested in it, and you've been adding and you've added to that position. But is there one thing that uh, you'd like to have a little bit more clarity on? Um, you know, I would say mainly the uh, the growth growth opportunities where they're going to deploy capital in the future. Um, and I, I think that one real advantage for the publicly traded data center REITs is uh, their uh, having a very low cost of capital compared to the privately held co-location outfits that are more backed by by private equity firms. And there's been some uh, speculation that maybe they could have aspirations to become investment grade. So, you know, questions regarding that, I think, would be relevant. Real quick, Eric, just about 30 seconds. If you could ask the CEO any question, what would it be? Um, where do they see the greatest uh, growth opportunities uh, geographically in their business? Well, then we will ask the CEO in just a moment. But first, I want to thank you for your time, Eric Marshall from Hodges Capital Management, with his pick of Cyrus One. Oh, we are still focused on the idea special segment, looking in at length in a single investing idea in a single company in a single sector. That company, Cyrus One, the CEO, joins us right now. Gary, Gary Wojtasek uh, joins us right now. He's in Midtown Manhattan with Carol Masser. And Gary, uh, glad to have you on. Um, how do you differentiate yourself from the rest of the data center business? How do you see your business as different than your competitors? Uh, sure, and thanks for having me on uh, again. So, uh, as your last guest just pointed out, uh, 
some of the advantages that we enjoy are basically uh, associated with our time to market. We could deliver data center capacity really quickly at the lowest cost. That enables us to generate uh, significantly higher yields on, on every incremental dollar of capital that we deploy, and we complement that with a sales force that has proven over the last decade that uh, we've been able to sell um, more data center space than anyone else in the market. So the combination of those two is really what's driving, uh, you know, driving us from uh, from the rest of the pack. Can you grow organically? Yeah, um, the vast majority of our business is all organic growth. That's where we get our highest uh, returns on the capital that we deploy. And you know, we've just come off a, a record year in 2016. We've been the market share leader, taking about 35 percent of the market, which is uh, considerable given that we're only about 15 percent of the market by uh, by revenue share. But do you need to, at some point, to either cement a bigger position, have to do some kind of acquisition? Yeah, over over the years, we've done smaller, you know, tuck-in acquisitions, and we basically acquire facilities at a lower at a at a lower cap rate, uh, develop those, and earn into a higher cap rate. So the best example of that is last year we acquired the. Uh, Chicago Mercantile Exchange's data center in Aurora. So all the futures mm. trading yeah. now in the country goes through our facility there. Um, that was a facility that we acquired for $130 million at, at roughly about an 8% cap rate by year end. We had driven the yield up on that to 12%. And once we develop the rest of that facility, uh, we'll be in the mid-teens. Would you do, though, a bigger deal, a bigger M&A deal from, let's say, the, you know, some of the, the private sector companies that are out there? Uh, sure. Yeah, if it makes sense. And, uh, and you know, by making sense, it strategically has to give us an access to uh, an area of the country that we're currently not in, give us access to customers that we don't have, and financially a creative uh, day one. So those are the measures that we look through every uh you know, every acquisition by. But as, as your last, you know, caller uh, mentioned, um, you know, our focus is really expanding currently in Western Europe. We believe that the advantage that we had enjoyed in this country and uh, the, the position we developed here, we can do the same thing in Western Europe, which is, you know, four or five years behind where, uh, where the U.S. sits but currently. Your, but your leverage ratio in terms of taking on debt, you're kind of where you want to be, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, so we're trying, in terms of doing a bigger deal, how do you do mm, that? Oh, consistently issuing equity and debt at the same time. So, which you've um, done? Yeah, which we've done. We've we've issued you know several billion dollars of equity over the last last couple of years. Um, you know, or actually in capital in general. And so mm -hmm. we'll continue to do that. Our our goal is to basically stay on the investment grade glide path. So, you know, we'll bring on additional equity commensurate with uh, with our leverage increasing as we scale uh, as we scale the business. And your stock's about fifty percent, forty six percent in the last six months. But I, I guess one of the things when I read through your your annual report that made me uh, pause was uh, your leases. You got thirty nine percent of your leases expiring this year, and and I, I wonder what your churn rate is once you get a customer. How sticky is that, and how does that compare to the rest of the industry? Well, it's the it's the Hotel California. Um, you know, typically uh, once they check in, they they never leave, and um, that thirty nine percent is is actually that's probably much higher. I mean, much higher than the actual number for for this year. But when you measure the churn, we typically see around six percent uh, annual churn, which you know compares pretty favorably to telco companies or any of the other you know traditional companies. How long is a deal typically? Way. Is it a five years? Is it a three years? Is it ten? What is um, it? Oh, it's expanded greatly. So initially, when we IPO'd, uh, we were our average uh, portfolio duration was about 27 months. We're currently up to uh, 58, 59 months, and so over the last two years, they've averaged roughly like eight or nine years. Uh, so we've we've more than doubled the duration of our portfolio. 
it, it's interesting too in terms of your customer distribution. You, you know, I would have expected as a spin out of, out of uh, what Cincinnati Bell or, or right. whatever the, this, the prior company was, you would have a lot more telecom. But it really focused on IT, and you know, it's sort of obvious it's a data center. But on the other hand, I wonder if that's a, an industry concentration risk. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. At the time of our IPO, forty um, percent of our business was in oil and gas. So, you know, practically yeah. every single oil and gas company in the world is a customer of ours. And and what we've seen through the concerted effort of uh, of our team is we've attacked so many other markets. So now, you know, while the oil and gas business has grown, it only represents about thirteen percent of our business. And our largest two verticals now are cloud companies at twenty two percent. You know, which is equivalent to our penetration of financial services. So I think it just gives you a good indication of what we've been able to achieve in a relatively short amount of time as we've scaled uh, what kind of scaled the company what kind of customer deal do you walk away from you know you talked about your sales staff being really good but there are deals that you could walk into that could, you could really eat it on yeah the, the deals that we we generally walk away from are customers if they're just shopping for price if they're not willing to commit the the amount of time and effort associated with a long-term relationship we know fundamentally those are not customers for us so just like, you know, anytime you enter into any long-term relationship with anyone, you know, spouse, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, uh, it takes a lot of time to develop that, uh, that trusting relationship. And if they're not willing to uh, spend that time with us, we don't, uh, we don't spend it with them. So how many people do you say no to then? Um, fair number of people. I mean, we're... 10%, we're, 20%? Uh, yeah, it's probably closer to 10%. Okay. Um, as you grow this business, when you see competitors uh, making uh, decisions about real estate and stuff, you know what real estate is most valuable to you as you expand, and where do you where do you want to be physically? Um, we've been I mean, you mentioned Western Europe, but I'm thinking more in terms of how the infrastructure works underground and so on. Uh, well, I mean, uh, the site selection you know criteria that we look for is you know where where we have adequate uh, power available, you know, in a safe location out of a floodplain, uh, really sturdy buildings, a lot of fiber access. Those are the, the the general parameters that we look for when we're looking for a for a site specific. You know, outside of that, commercially, we're looking for locations that are near Fortune 500 companies, which is our target uh, audience. We you know we have almost 200 Fortune 1000 uh, companies in uh, in our portfolio. And you guys have been around for how long? Uh, for about a dozen years, and publicly okay. uh, four and a half years. Okay. We IPO'd in January of 13. Uh, last question: Any chance of uh, hiking that uh, return uh, rate? The dividend ratio in a, in a REIT, of course, is is right now. I think you're indicated gross yield at two point nine percent. Yeah. Um, so we've we've increased our dividend yield about a, almost one hundred and seventy percent since uh, since our IPO four years ago. So, you know, it tracks uh, pretty much commensurately with uh, with the cash flow that we're uh, that we're kicking off. Our we're trying to make sure that our dividend stays in line with other um, you know dividend type uh, investments in the REIT space, but. Our capital needs are pretty big, so on a compounded ratio, we probably have a better return for investors longer term to the extent that we can reinvest that cash back into the uh, back in the company. He's the CEO of Cyrus One, Gary Wojtasek. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Uh, a really interesting company, interesting story. I'm glad to spend much of the last hour digging into that. You've been listening to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Corey Johnson, at Corey TV. She's Carol Masser on Twitter. She's at Carol Masser. I am indeed. This, she is still. This is Bloomberg.